one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the NXT 2.0 L review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by the Dudley Boys of What Culture, Michael Hamlet and Michael Sidgwick here to review everything that happened on last night's episode of NXT 2.0. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts where we not only review NXT 2.0, but as well as premium live events, we have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a round of the week complete with a money good quiz, of course, on WrestleCulture. As I said, they're joined by Hamlet and Sidhu to review NXT 2.0 with added drilling today, boys, as well. Yeah, same crack, just to let you all know, you might hear some drilling and banging and stuff. There's some electrical work ongoing at What Culture Studios, so we apologise for what I hope are temporary disruptions to the podcast. And yes. we're, still, we're still sadly over Zoom with you in the isolation station, Wilborn. But thankfully, I am still testing negative. This is just a precaution, but everyone do please stay safe. This whole horrible experience we've had for the last two years is not over yet so yes you will hear occasional drilling that is from works uh at the what culture office but the huge peps you will hear are from me hamlet and possibly even sidrick regarding this show hamlet you called it take your lap of honor right now look the pandemic isn't over but nxt 2.0 is in the hamlet house it's back it's back and a good like the good old days back again I was nervous that Triple H coming back in would take us to the doomsday era of NXT, when instead we found the perfect compromise. It's total bollocks. It's total nonsense. The quality is so poor. And yet I thought the show was tremendous. I had a whale of a time. This was like, there are so many individual bad wrestling matches, bad scenes featuring bad wrestlers and bad acting. And I enjoyed the lot of it. Um, like we're going to get to, look, Perfect example, right? Because we'll obviously talk about it in like in terms of the story when we get to the main event. The big talking point, the big thing which, you know, we watched the show, unlike pretty much anybody else at this point, we could have seen because they've actually plotted this story out. The big turn, the big moment was absolutely decimated by a hilarious, terrible prop. And a, bro- a broken one at that. Like, everything they do on the show is bad. But I don't know. It is it has wormed and worked its way into my heart. I'm feeling too pro WWE for my own good lately, which is probably... a this is probably a symptom of that, but I uh, I had a thoroughly good time with this episode. I really did. This was encouragingly bad, but I'm still 
a little bit concerned about the lack of sexual desire on this show. <laughs> I, at this point, right? You know when you just watch something, and I know I have to do it for work. I would have bantered this off a long time ago had I not had to do it. But you know, you like you watch a show and you think, right? It's obviously on the decline. It's not as good as it used to be, or you know, maybe it wasn't that good to begin with. But I was sort of lured into it with various false promises, and you just feel like you have to stay the course. Mm. I'm not particularly like that generally. Like, if a band goes rubbish, I'm not like one of these. Like, I just don't. If a band starts stops producing good records, I will simply stop listening to them. Mm. I'm just one of those guys who go, "Oh, I like the band. You know, it's not as good as I'll just bin it off." Yeah. But there are certain shows where it's like, right, okay, it's not the best thing I've ever seen. It's, but I have to know how it ends. I have to know how it mm. ends. Is Brooks Jensen going to lose his virginity? <laughs> why is that plot thread? Be I know why it's been abandoned because I had to do some uh, makeshift booking with the NXT UK tag team titles. But I, I feel like that I just I've wasted about six months of my life on his quest. There's a little bit of that, like, type of stuff on this show. You know, like, obviously, throughout the night, it was the various different Roxanne Perez mentions, like, what's happened to in the car park? Who's did it? Like, the Cora Jade. Oh, it was you then? Good. That interview she did with Mackenzie. Like, yeah. all that stuff. Um, there was that one really funny bit where there was, there was, like, various unnamed women. You know, I don't even think she's got a boyfriend. Like, amazing. Like, even within the context of your big NXT trademark hit and run, it's like... Is she even getting laid? <laughs> Maybe she was happy to get run over because at least it saves her from a sex-starved existence. One thing I will say, right, is that, yes, this show was absolutely terrible. Yes, there are various examples of it being terrible, which will be analysed imminently. Yes, the car park attack is absolutely beyond parody <laughs> and should basically just get an Uber to the front door, right? Go, go onto the curb and then just bolt in because it's ridiculously dangerous and the fact that there's no security and it's all complete nonsense as everybody knows they nxt 2.0 that is did a better job of showing concern throughout the night for cora jade uh, for roxanne perez and aw did with ruby soho on dynamite yeah. like that is bad seriously that's bad like who cares about nxt 2.0 no one gives a toss about it it's not going to be like a force for good in the wrestling um, world and the future and all the rest of it. It just exists as this thing we can take the piss out of and then forget about, and it's watched by a niche audience. Like, people are relying on AEW to be really good, and the fact that NXT 2.0 is doing a better job at a show-long angle or selling something than AEW Dynamite is genuinely a worrying disgrace. And I think NXT 2.0 um, may uh, overtake AEW as well on the mantle of long-term storytelling. We're getting to sort of preview territory now, but I think Potentially, we could see uh, pretty dearly regain those uh, NXT UK tag titles. And uh, then, if only Sir Wanks a lot has a shoulder to cry on, maybe by a friendly bartender. So don't give up on that yet, Sige. I'll let it go out. Couple, indeed, a couple of other things. Um, uh, I know you're like having a good time. I say this, this show is crap. I've got to say, there was one match on this show, and I don't know what it was, but I just I really liked everything about it. But we'll get to that in due course. And finally, before we dive into the review, confession time, right? Previously, I have said on this podcast and on other podcasts, um, if I didn't do this as a job, I 100% would watch AW Dynamite as I do. First thing when I wake up, because I hate spoilers for stuff I actually like, even if it's like Love Island, for example. 
I'm like, oh, I don't want to know about it because I want to experience witnessing it in real time. Raw and SmackDown, eh, not so much. I'm not asked. Even now, when SmackDown gets spoiled for me over the weekend, I'm like, well, what a surprise. Roman Reigns came down and stood in the ring for 20 minutes. Okay. Um, but I've always said, <laughs> I wouldn't watch 2.0 uh, if I didn't do this as a job. Uh, I think this is the week I have to say that I probably would. I probably would. And I'd probably watch it as, as I do with AW Dynamite immediately. Because if I'd have had that post-main event thing spoiled for me, I'd, it would have been the same as someone spoiling Kenny Omega's turn uh, at uh, Winter is Coming, for example. Like the moment where I was like, okay, the turn's here. Amplet was right, blah, blah, blah. We could see this coming from the beginning of the show. And the woman, the woman who can't even ride a skateboard. <laughs> it's not her fault, to be fair. I presume it was like a gimmick skateboard, yeah. right? But the fact that she can't even hit someone with it has just, oh, just. In the words of Simon Miller, it makes me feel all warm, warm and fuzzy in my tum tum. So, in terms of what culture's content output, that is the second reference to the Moxley Omega feud because I was like, well, oh, they've had their exploding bar by deathmatch moment. You can't blame the wrestlers for the faulty props. You can do all the work and then the prop goes wrong. It's toy skateboard. Right. I've been excited for this from the moment I woke up. Let's let's review this show, dive straight into it. We have a video recap of everything that went down of the great American Bash. Right. And then, as we mentioned, the most dangerous place in the world is revisited. Uh, the parking lot, Roxanne Perez, on a big night as well, has been attacked. Who done it? Who could it possibly be? Uh, thankfully, Cora Jade's uh, on the scene very quickly. Um, Perez is rolling around selling this attack. Um, but, but there's a big question mark as to whether or not we're going to get a women's title match later tonight. And who attacked Roxanne Perez. We'll come back to that, because then we opened with Giovanni Vinci uh, versus Apollo Crews. Excellent addition, by the way, of having Wade Barrett pose as part of the, the little photo thing that, that Vinci does at his entrance. All I need now is more of a gormless face from Vic Joseph, and you'll have perfected that. Uh, unsurprisingly, as we previewed, these two work pretty well together because they're great wrestlers. Um Back and forth stuff early on. Uh, Vinci reverses an Irish whip. Cruz comes back with a big boat, big boot even, and a second rope uh, leaping neck breaker. That gets him a two count. Uh, Cruz goes for a suplex, but Vinci sends him out to the floor and throws him into the guardrail to take us through a break. When we come back, Cruz starts making his uh, comeback. A lovely spot with Vinci coming off the middle rope with a springboard, and Cruz just drop kicking out of midair. But, um, oh my word. There's a bit beforehand. Cruz hits Vinci with a sort of series of German suplexes. He gets cut off with a lariat. Cruz jumps off the turnbuckle and Vinci just catches him. Bianca Belair-esque and just goes, no, we're not going to let gravity do that. Pulls him out of the air, picks him up, uh, suplex, like delayed suplexes him. Uh, it's just amazing, that spot. Uh, but then Cruz fights back with a high kick. Uh, Vinci rolls out the ring, though, because he doesn't want to get pinned. And Cruz is, oh, he's just, just going for the pin. But Vinci's clever and he's rolled out of the ring. And then someone who's been there the whole time. How didn't we spot him? He is attacked by Zion Quinn. Um, he clobbers him. The referee's been distracted because Vinci's got angry at a fan with a phone or some bollocks. Um, so Zion Quinn drops him, chucks him back into the ring after hitting him with a forearm. Uh, and Vinci hits that uh, sort of last ride power bomb for the one, two, three. Pamphlet, what did you make of this opener? Do you know what? I thought it was really quite strong. 
um in the intro like yesterday on the preview we talked about how this is the less than ideal booking because neither man could really afford to lose here based on where they're at and the trajectories and these new gimmicks they've got aw does this and delivers finishes and unfortunately they have relied a bit too much on cheating on distractions on other stuff happening but they give you finishes and it's broadly more satisfying so i wasn't mad keen on zion quinn being the guy in the crowd and all that but that is often how you've got to get to one guy getting pinned i thought the work was genuinely good like i was expecting this like i like this giovanni vinci repackage a great deal right and i was still expecting this to be a match that kind of passed me by a little bit uh, like good wrestlers doing good wrestling so what and they got beyond that i don't know if it was um, it's, I thought about Bianca Belair as well. Exactly the same thought as you. I don't know if it was that catch, that power spot. Oh, just like sometimes within a match, good is elevated to great by just this moment where you're like you you just zapped to life by it or whatever. But I thought the chemistry was really really mm. slick as well. Like it was again, it's like it's a bit. NXT 2.0 has so many of these matches where one person is badly out of the depth wrestling on television, or sometimes two, sometimes four or six. You know, so when you see two guys that can can get way beyond the confines of this stupid little building and the stupid little television show, it probably makes the match look substantially better than it actually was. So perhaps they were benefited by the surrounds or whatever. But I thought the work was good. Um, I'm glad they committed to a finish. I'm, I'm really behind Giovanni Vinci early days, and Apollo Cruz looks like a kind of a benefit overall. Uh, Two point as a roster as well, like really not bad this. I would describe elements of this match as spectacular adjacent where yeah. there were things happening in certain sequences that really caught my eye and got me involved and made me think like these guys are pretty terrific and they're really really impressive i was like impressed by it elsewhere it did flit between that feeling and just the usual general run-of-the-mill gentleman's three stuff that you get on nxt 2.0 and the competent um wrestling matches that it infrequently promotes and then by the end of the show i was by sheer contrast against the curve i was giving it like four and a half <laughs> some of the wrestling on this show elsewhere was so unbelievably dismal so basic or so piss poor that this mm. it, like a retrospective retrospectively spectacular adjacent match that in the moment was kind of a gentleman's three or just above yeah it was the the family guy thing we often talk about <laughs> you get less ugly um now, uh, the next stage in the whodunit came next. Mackenzie's chatting to Cora Jade, obviously Roxanne Perez's best mate, so we can rule her out. Um, she blames toxic attraction for the attack on Perez. She says those bitches are going to have hell to pay. Uh, but if she's not cleared, I'll fight for her. You know, not for her, for me. But, you know, I'll take a spot. But, that, you know, the most important thing is she's hurt and I'm concerned about her. But if you need someone for the title match, I suppose, step in. I like how the joke is the joke is the joke at this point as well. So we know that Cora Jade has, has done it. Well, we knew because we've analysed the show, but like, you know, you're led to believe that Cora Jade has done it. And then she's like, you know, and I said we should travel to the building together. It's a big title match. And we know what goes down in that parking lot. And like, even they can kind of take the piss out of it as they're doing all the exposition for you. So I'm like, yeah, I'll take the title shot if you want. So they're like, I wasn't even there. I didn't even travel with her. And here's my perfect story that, was de that is definitely an alibi. I like how they're using what we already know about this like horrifically dangerous car park just to inform the obvious twist later on. Exactly. Brilliant. Uh, then we get. She kind of acts either, which helps it even more. She's a terrible <laughs> actor. I never even noticed just how bad an actor she was till this week when she did all the acting. So then we get a vignette with uh, Tiffany Stratton. She's at the nail salon and she says, 
I'm Jay. I so need this after that atrocity last week. I mean, you saw I was attacked by some crazy girl. I found myself having to crawl on the floor, the dirtiest, disgusting, wet-ass floor. I haven't even been able to look at my nails. There's still dirt under them. Look. Don't even get me started on my gear, on my hair. In the end, as always, though, I prevailed and overcame the odds in that grown-up child, Wendy Chu. She is so obsessed with me. It's not even funny. Smart for like creepy. I need to leave Candleland behind because I obviously want to see who wins the women's championship match. I love it when they crowbar this in from last week at the pool party. Hey, uh, Chuck the Frisbee, and uh, tell me what he thinks going to win in this completely uh, unimportant one-on-one match. Uh, anyway, I obviously want to see who wins the women's championship tonight. Oh, these look so great. Thank you so much. She goes to leave, gets to the counter and goes, uh, yeah, she wasn't like the greatest of all time, but I'll spare you the bad review. Turtles, don't think she paid. Did she pay? Maybe it's like, did she pre did on a card? Okay. <laughs> the thing is, like, Tiffany Stratton is meant to play this completely vacuous airhead with no regard for anybody else. And you meant to think she's a dickhead as a result of this. Like, she's more, you know, when you play, like, you don't play it. I'm not getting, I'm not getting hired for this role. But you know, like in Hollywood movies where someone is ditzy. But, you know, they're kind of well-intentioned mm-hmm. and maybe they're a little bit self-absorbed, but they're, do- they're not, like, hateful. Legally blonde. People. Yeah, 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 legally blonde. Like, Stratton's way more in that direction than a complete dickhead heel. Mm. Like, basically, she said she was very polite. She was, very, she was obviously talking about herself, but she was very polite when she ended. And then she went to the, the main desk and was just like, oh, you know, she wasn't great, but, you know, I'm not going to give you a bad review or anything. Just some constructive feedback. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't say, oh, my God, my goddamn nails are a disgrace, and she needs to be out with her family. <laughs> and then, like, the, the person at the desk didn't say, oh, you know, like, should she really be fired? You know, we can improve her, you know, and she's got some kids to look after or, you know. You know, a bit of a troubled life at home, and you know, she just she's just trying to make ends meet. No, she's gone, or I'm gone, and then walks out. Mm. Like that—that's the heel. Tiffany Stratton's about to be a heel. She yeah, was like, she was kind of okay. Yeah, <laughs> like really quite reasonable. Like, I don't know. What a stupid bloody thing. I'll still give you five stars. I don't want to wreck the algorithm. It's <laughs> <laughs> just sorry, Wilbon. You doing that impression there? As Cedric pointed out, because of. Like we're all in separate rooms because it's just easier on the Zoom call. Like you can the buzz of like electricians and builders and everybody walking around doing all that. Like honestly, if a builder had just walked in that door there or an electrician while you were doing that voice, like I'd rather them walking on me like having a wank than staring <laughs> at the screen with you doing your Tiffany Stratton voice. It, like I was like, I was just suddenly struck with like, oh god, those people out there are doing real jobs. Yeah. Uh God. That was I, I turned I, the volume I, down on my laptop while I was laughing. And I was like, oh god, what if they have my laughter and come in and hear that instead? Oh yeah. I sort of had that moment as well where I suddenly realised because I think this is the first time I've been at home reviewing, certainly talking about Tiffany Stratton, and I'm very interested to see what my wife in the next room thinks of this. <laughs> my neighbours are like, did you have a visitor yesterday? Oh my God, I said dad. Uh, anyway, moving on. Uh, it's time for Cameron Grimes. He's sad. He walks to the ring. Uh, he's dejected, obviously, after last week's title match. I did like the fact that they're selling. He's obviously they was they sold it on the the dot com exclusive last week. Uh, well, on something that they've just completely given up on, apparently. Um, and 
they they did beforehand him you know slowly walking to the ring so meanwhile the fans are still like to the moon i was like <laughs> not the time guys but anyway um he apologizes for not winning uh another example as to why maybe you should give wrestlers bullet points rather than a script because people like cameron grimes who've had experience elsewhere can roll the punches i.e he botched the line he went to say nxt championship instead north american championship but because he's not absolutely petrified and gone oh, oh that's not my line he just went oh yeah that's sorry that's on my mind as well because i lost that in the last month as well so i thought that was a, a, a good save yeah. uh he said he didn't get robbed um he even caved in break his chest but he didn't win the title i thought i was going to the moon he said but i crashed into the sun uh, the WWE writer right there. Love the, the visual images <laughs> that these idiots put into your head. It's sensational. The very idea of Cameron Grimes in a literal rocket, <laughs> right? Just very happily. He's buzzing. He's been saying he's going to do this for ages. He finally gets a chance to go to the moon. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, I'm going to the goddamn moon, guys. I can't <laughs> go to the goddamn moon. And he's like, hang on a second. Uh, that the moon? Oh, my ass. It's the sun. <laughs> just waving out one of them little circular portal windows. <laughs> it's like, I oh, watch that. Oh, um, my ass. It's the sun. <laughs> oh, not the sun. I, I thought the moon's view sucked, but the sun's even worse. It's so hot in here. <laughs> I will bet any money, I know this is preview territory, that they will crowbar a reference into that. Is it the James Webb telescope that's got those amazing new photos out next week that JD McDonald's going to say, it doesn't matter if you're, you've got the James Webb telescope, I'll still beat your ass and not send you to the, I don't know, some bollocks like that. Like you say, they're just like space. Oh dear. Um, anyway, Grimes mentioned obviously Breaker is now out with an injury and he's interrupted by the guy who caused that injury, J.D. McDonough, who uh, re-debuted, obviously, at the end of the great, great month, mate. Um, he says, I don't want to kick a guy when he's down, but um, your little pity pie can piss off, basically. Do you crying in the back? He said, look, you're old news now. You became old news 60 seconds after your match finished uh, when I came out and attacked him. I fooled everyone. I fooled Breaker. I fooled you guys. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, I came out a week early, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, Grimes says, "You can look at me when you're talking to me. Um, you know, you attacked him last night. Why don't you? Why don't you try and take it last week? You can attack me right now. Let's go. You know, we're talking all this talk, but all I see is an Irish asshole." Uh, and McDonough headbutts Grimes, but Grimes fires back up, and McDonough bails, and they yell at each other. And there's going to be a match next week. Sid, your thoughts? Yeah, not many, if I'm being honest. That wordplay was the only takeaway I had from this entire segment. Um, look, principally, this is okay. Um, you can see that they are doing in their quaint little NXT 2.0 way, kind of telling um, the next phase of Cameron Grimes's um, career arc. And in telling this career arc, they are able to get somebody over as a heel. So what's happened, as indicated or alluded to, um, in a .com exclusive, following the defeat to... Um, Bron Breaker, which has left him like disconsolate, dejected. Um, so lights flickers if to suggest the presence of Joe Gacy. So what's going to happen is that when um, Cameron Grimes is sort of like in this sort of despairing mental state, he's not at his best at all. Therefore, 
JD McDonough can beat Cameron Grimes, who retains the fact that, you know, he's a former champion, um, great wrestler, NXT mainstay at this point. So JD McDonough theoretically gets over by beating this version of Cameron Grimes. And then Cameron Grimes um, versus Joe Gacy becomes a thing properly. And then Grimes will beat Gacy and then go back in the mix. And you, you, you're trying to do a few things at once here. It's quite resourceful, if I'm being honest. And it's not particularly moved by it. I think it's not bad. But again, it's that curve we talk about, like characters interacting with other characters in storylines. It's like the absolute bare minimum, the absolute bare minimum stuff. And like Cameron Grimes is just better as a heel. Like he just is. Mm. And he is being increasingly typecast with this like incredibly emotional fella understand that maybe they wanted to show a bit of range um they like that in wwe they love range they love acting um and, you know he's not terribly cringy and i don't think he's too unconvincing in the role i just don't think it's uh, the best use of him he could do he could be doing much better things yeah not much to add really like the the segment was like very very formula until i will say um the headbutt was like ever so slightly jarring. It's just not something you see very often in WWE as a way one of these fights break off, but everything else was that turn taking. Oh, it's a good job I've got this pun or witticism in my back pocket. That was mm. useful. I just happen upon that wordplay. It feels really fake, but I, as Sidgwick sort of outlined there, the functions of this all um, are not that bad, and the matches could be half decent. Mm. So, oh, okay. Like, like six, seven out of 10 stuff, and it's all like that, and that's its ceiling too. Yeah, um, I'm not complaining, but I do like the fact that over the uh, over the two week period in the developmental brand, it's like watch NXT 2.0, where you can see Apollo Cruz versus Fabian Eichner and Jordan Devlin versus Cameron Grimes, with <laughs> all four fully formed wrestlers that 100 could go onto the main roster if WWE liked people who were that size, basically. Years ago, years ago, in some cases. Yes. Um, we get a, a, another uh, vignette where uh, the Creed brothers are sat with Damon Kemp watching tape, watching what happened in the tag match last week. And Damon Kemp's learning from them. And he says, hey, thanks a lot, guys. Love to run it back. If you guys are in, Roderick Strong's like, what the f- are you on about now? He comes in. He says, that's not what you do. You cost us the titles last week. So I'm going to teach you a lesson next week. He's a grumpy boy, isn't he, Hamlet? He is. I believe I wish I knew why. Like they're watching that match together. There's been a fight, and they've had a fair fight, and made friends, and sat and reviewed the tapes that everybody can learn. Like from the outsider's point of view, I would say Diamond Mine is stronger than ever. Yeah, <laughs> like, no, you're not. Like, <laughs> cheer up, mate. Like your stable's in rude hell. Uh, yet again, uh, Grayson Waller maximised his literal minute here. He's backstage with Mackenzie. Talks about how close he was last week against Mello. Um, she talks about Wesley costing him the match. He says, just because your life sucks doesn't mean you have to ruin mine. What a line. I love him so much. He's great. Um, and then we get another update. Uh, Roxanne Perez is there in the in the uh, doctor's area uh, getting checked over. And Corey Jay's like, are you sure she can't work? Because if she can't work, I'll obviously take the title match. But, you know, can't believe it. Can't believe someone did this. Uh, then it was time for... Uh, the storied rivalry between Caden Carter and Tatum Paxley. You remember they had a brief argument for no reason last week. <laughs> um, and they do that. They just love to have fun, Caden Carter. And uh, God, I forgot what her new name is. Katana Chance. That's it. They come out. Hey, play party, eh? Uh, Tatum Paxley's there. Ivy Nile sort of training her, of course. Um, there's a good bit of, of, of stuff in here. Um, I did like the... the uh, 
Carter tying up the legs at one point after Carter had hit with a running drop kick to send to the floor. Ivy Nile checks on her. She goes back in. She gets her legs tied up. She has to make it to the ropes. Nile offers some quick advice uh, and then Paxley catches Carter uh, with a spinning pr- uh, predicament. One, two, three. A shock win, Hamlet. Yeah. Um, again, I suppose it's Diamond Mine adjacent, isn't it? That like Ivy Nile's getting her together as well. It's it's that and it's that fake NXT 2.0 thing where Ivy Nile has been here five minutes, but they've just absolutely drained the roster of credible, experienced hands. That it's got to be like, I've been around here a long time. Wesley, you have my respect. Well, thanks a lot, Ivy Nile. <laughs> they just they've got these rookies that have got to pretend to play veterans, so it just comes across as so fake and forced. But was this at least um, in response to your fury with it the other week? Like, have they just accepted it? Like, Carter and Chance are really dislikable as these party girls, and they're just <laughs> heel. Like, is this their kind of like, have they formalized the heel turn? Like, even though they've got the party, the party cannons and the props and all that, are they just like acknowledging it's not very really likable, is it? I know they're going to all the parties, but nobody wants to go with them. <laughs> oh, so there's a bit of a technical hiccup there. They kept oh. saying that my connection was paused and Hamlet's face looked like a potato, even more so. Um, <laughs> so. <laughs> Sorry, um, I've got no thoughts on the match, it was poor, and the storytelling was incredibly rudimentary. Uh, right, then we go. <laughs> that means she's advancing in a career, <laughs> it, it doesn't look like it because the match wasn't good, it's <laughs> an unconvincing story beat. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. 
Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Uh, we get an update from Joe Gacy. His faction is now called Jism. Oh, sorry, uh, Schism. This. Uh, <laughs> That's a cheap, it's so cheap. You belong in Poundland, you cock. Gism. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he interrupted Vic Joseph to cut one of his weird promos. <laughs> the Jeds are going to reveal who they are next week. Who could they possibly be? You know, who could they possibly say be? For the preview, we'll have a big, long, um, honorable. The, the jizzled young vets. <laughs> I have three questions in my life, right? Who are the Jeds, right? <laughs> who attacked Roxanne Perez? And who on earth could those vignettes be about on uh, the main roster? <laughs> I don't know. Favorite <laughs> segment next. Favorite segment next. So uh, there's <laughs> going to be plenty of room in the shade under the Jism's tree. Uh, right. Backstage, uh, experienced head Sanger is watching his cannonball video from last week. I loved this. He repeated this, right? And like the women pissed themselves laughing. Like they tried to invent that, like him doing cannonball was like a little bit of the bubbly or something. Like, yeah. like they got to be front row. Ah, I can't believe I saw someone, the cannonball guy, do cannonball in real life. I'm in the meme. Like <laughs> nobody, not a so, living, breathing soul has thought about him doing cannonball for seven days. Well, also, the little bit of the bubbly is good because it's a funny little voice or whatever. Cannonball only works if it's followed by a cannonball. Yeah. Just saying cannonball doesn't mean anything. You did it a bit wrong as well. His intonation was wrong. It was like cannonball. <laughs> like, <laughs> cannonball. <laughs> a cannonball. Hail and peace. <laughs> like, <laughs> so, uh, Duke Hudson's here. What a, what a story for a feud. Duke Hudson's angry because he can't get water out of his ear. That's <laughs> <story. laughs> It's a night, it's relatable content. It is a nightmare. Yeah, fair play. Uh, they're gonna take care of business tonight. Can Sanger change his two and two record on NXT 2.0? Find that in a bit. Uh, and then this is a bit with uh, Boris Johnson and Sir Wanks a lot. Uh, uh, a bar, a cowboy bar. Yeah, Fallon Henley's bartending. They're toasting to the NXT UK tag team championships. Uh, and then in comes the sexy bastards. Uh, pretty deadly. They, they're dressed like cowboys. They're like, I can't believe you bring those gorgeous titles to this dump. Uh, and Briggs is like, whoa, you're going to be in trouble here. You've all the, you know, it's the whole saloon thing of like they walk in, everyone stops doing what they're doing. Someone's playing a piano and they look at him and what have you. Uh, and Briggs is like, whoa, you're going to have to fight your way out of here. Finally goes, no, they're not. Just leave and we'll have a title match next week. And they do. I hated this. I hate the like the idea that if you dress somewhat effeminately, like pretty deadly do, um, that you are not welcome in places like that, and you're meant to be siding with the people who make other people unwelcome. Not good. And I will not repeat it, but there was a pretty horrific ableist slur um, uttered by one of the members of Pretty Deadly here, and I'm trying to work out how it got on TV. And this is the naive. Um, inference, which I hope is the correct interpretation. Um, I think whichever member of Pretty Deadly said it did not realize that it's really quite offensive. 
and that because he's British, um, the predominantly American uh, like video editors or producers or directors of this scene just didn't understand um, what he was actually saying. And hopefully the guy from Pretty Deadly didn't realize, you know, that mm. it was as offensive to some people um, as it was. And that's all I have to say about the segment. Yeah. No, nothing else to add. The little, now bit, it's... little bit at the end, like, drink on me. I, I hate them. I hate that act. I hope they lose. I think anyone who does that's a dumbass as well. He's like, yeah, <laughs> on me. You're an idiot. I don't know with your mates. They're not just any old schlub who's in this bar with you. Uh, anyway, now it's time for the <clears throat> Battle of the Big Man. That's what Vic Joseph put it over us. It's like two minutes. Uh, Sanger nailed him with a big shoulder, sent him to the floor. Hudson does his neck across the top rope. Uh, oh, Duke Hudson targets Sanger's weak spot. His chest hair rips some of that out. I di- I will say, and I'm biased, but I loved Wade Barrett in this. So he rips out his chest hair, hits him with a big boot, and he goes, yes, Duke. And then Sanger just comes back immediately, hits him with a choke slam, and he goes, no, Duke, like that. One, two, three. Sanger goes to three and two, Sige. <laughs> right, okay, this is after, again, like the, the premise of this match is pitiful. The actual action in it was probably worse. I could not take this seriously at all. I'm just watching boring stuff. That's so frivolous, right? In a moment of synchronicity right i woke up this morning in fact i'm thinking uh i need my ears syringed or something the last two or three mornings i've woke up with my right ear like just desperately needing to pep and it's like it's horrific because it's not horrific but like, it's really incredibly irritating um because you just you cannot do it you can't hear it's just that like, you, you've been there right and it's one of those where you do the whole holding nostrils against mm. um with your fingers and then blow and you're trying to get the pop. It was really actually hurting. Like really, really hurting. And I'm thinking, I don't even want to and you know, I drank something, ate something, and it kind of corrects itself when you do that. So I was thinking, oh, if there's a single soul alive, right, who should get on board with the emotion, and I'm not lying about this, it's genuinely what happened to me this morning. If there's a single soul alive who could get this wrestling match, right? It is me. And I thought it was so frivolous and boring and stupid. And ultimately, all I can remember from it, I think it was this match, it might be another. There was a big two-minute conversation about Wade Barrett having, in 2015, abs worthy of joining Maximum Male Models. There was a lot more, watch the main roster guys, talk on this show. And that's all I can remember from it. The match was a whole lot of nothing. And it was all it deserved after the build. Yeah, there was there's a reason why you can't remember anything from this. Um Wade's Wade was funny. I'd like the yes and no thing popped me as well. I'll give you that. But there was absolutely nothing to this match whatsoever. Um, I don't know what they have with either of this guy, these guys at this point. Whatever might have been there in Duke Hudson when he was playing 50 different roles has disappeared as well. Did think I did like this. I did like the battle of the big men because during them, not the match, obviously, it's nothing, but I did think, remind me this next week, because we didn't have any games really last week. We last last yesterday on the preview. We had the we had the not 20 questions. We'll play that again, right? But you know, that's still not going to take us to the mid-roll, is it, Sage? So next week, 
what early noughties comedy catchphrase, i.e. Anchorman Cannibal, are they going to force Sanger to somehow crowbar in? That's the game we play next week. Remember that. Remember that. I was in a really good mood watching this, but not due to the wrestling. Um, right, Hamble, you can help me with this next, because they're backstage. Uh, Sophia Cromwell, Robert Stone, they're putting over Von Wagner. They say, so, Solo Sakura is a savage, uh, but Von's something even bigger than that. Were they trying to infer that Von Wagner's basically Sid here? Because they were like, oh, I could have gone and done baseball or whatever. But Von's like, shut up. I'm just like fighting. <laughs> and then Solo Sakura was like, I'm going to fight as well and put a towel on his head. Yeah, the the inference that Von Wagner is a real athlete just led you to down this like thought spiral of, well, mate, go and be a real athlete then, because this requires you to have charisma and talk like loads. Like all your athletic background could be put to use in a real sport where you're not expected to cut a promo once a week. Like, because Sid had too much charisma for softball. That's why he only played it half of the time and made a ton of money in wrestling instead. Like he was lucky enough to be able to do both. I um as a contrast, it was quite funny as well. Like uh I am a real athlete compared to Solo Sokoa, who's like, you know, cards on the table, a much better wrestler. <laughs> like, not yeah. like damn dirty thug who can, who can go a bit. <laughs> um, before the match, though, uh, Toxic Attraction getting interviewed by Mackenzie, uh, and she sort of implies that they took out Roxy, and uh, JC Jane's like, it's quite the accusation, that. And uh, they go, well, sucks to be her, sort of thing. Uh, fortunes can change quickly in NXT, says Gigi Dolin. Um, and uh, Mandy says, when you're champion, everything falls into place. And then it was time for Von Wagner versus Solo Sokoa uh, for the battle of who's got the biggest heart. And uh, oh, we didn't find out because they brawled. They brawled on the ramp to start off with. They brawled in the ring. Uh, they spilled to the outside. Von Wagner smashed Sokoa's head into the desk, sort of. Um, Sokoa no-sold it. A slug fest at ringside. They get counted out. Uh, but this is not the end of this fight. It would it would roll on, wouldn't it, Sidge? On and on and on and on until the inevitable grim conclusion of a false count anywhere is how they usually build that stipulation. Um, Hamlet's got a better take than me on all this. We were talking about it in the office this morning. But my God, like, it just wasn't very good what followed the idea is that if you're working a grudge program built on this sort of wild uncontainable brawl show a bit of emotion but hate, <laughs> the hatred just shows show me something and there was nothing mm -hmm. at all well I, I spotted one little bit of hatred can we cover the rest of this we're on now yes I've, I've just entitled this in our notes uh Von Wagner and Solo Sokoa won't stop fighting. <laughs> so, yeah, we cut back and, you know, there's multiple sort of visions of this fight. And the payoff was a crap because, like, in NXT, they love people going in bins. They bloody love somebody going in a bin, don't they? Mm -hmm. So Robert Stone goes in a bin and that's the payoff. And Sid is right, we get the false count anywhere, payoff to all of this. Uh, kind of invented conflict out of nothing, really, haven't they? This, this was never really hot for you to begin with and now they've fought all over the building. But watch it back because there's one point where they're brawling in that corridor, and I swear, right, that um, there's one. I forget. I wish I could remember what it was. I didn't get a chance to watch it back this morning. It's like a large, like a toaster or something, like a metal, a box-like structure to use the mm -hmm. parlance. And I swear, right, uh, Von Wagner like sort of catches Solo Sikoa for real. I hit the bitch for real. Like accidentally just nails him in the face, right? So Solo Sikoa runs Von Wagner into a wall. 
and that looks a bit like like I'm tagging you for real here, pal. And he kind of launches him into this wall, and it's like, right, one's each. We're good now. Like back to yeah, rolling. But if you just watch it, but like maybe this was just like my tired eyes this morning. But I did sort of think like I like like the Triple H sort of tag you for real. Yeah, like the, that sort of wrestler's rule. Where it's like right, got a receipt, level up, everything's fine now. Back to the brawling. So uh, they kind of got me by the end because they're accidentally clobbering each other with real stuff. But yeah, then uh, then they throw a guy in the bin. I do like as well that um, Sophia Cromwell, I think, is Von Wagner's urn because he just calmed down when she was like, "Hey, easy, big guy. Sun's getting real low." And then and then yeah, poor Robert Stone got chucked in a bin. So there we go. Um, I did love what came next. It was uh, celebration time for Trick Williams and Mello. Uh, they're talking about their wins at the Great American Bash, uh, interspliced with uh, footage of that and the sexy ladies that they are with. Um, but the party's not over. They're heading to the hotel bar. No, to the, the hotel bar. Um, usual thing here, guys. We've all been there. Bottles popping, panties dropping. Um, they say, <laughs> look how far we've come. We're like Kobe and Chat. We're like Pack and Snoop. We're the dream team. Uh, and one of the ladies is like, let's take this to the jacuzzi here. Uh, and Trick's there. He's having a great time. And I, I want to be there with them, to be honest. I, want, I mainly want to be there with Mellow and Trick, if I'm honest. Uh, Trick's like, am I not the meanest? And they're like, yes, Trick. Am I the prettiest? Yes, Trick. Am I not the baddest mofo? And Mellow's like, all right, fair enough. Um, we're here to do one thing. Let's make a toast. They hit us because they ain't us. Um, and that's all it is, and that's all it's ever gonna be. Love this Hamlet. Just the friggin' Garth Marenghi subtext is for cowards. Hey, how about we take this to the sex? <laughs> <laughs> like, absolutely. The second they met these women, like you knew where this was going because the point oh, kind of noticing that you've uh, got too many clothes on there, ladies. Uh, let's see if we could do something about that over the course of one sort of 10-minute clip. It's just there was this between that. And yeah, the, the Von Wagner thing is like, calm down. I'll sort you out with a blowjob, probably. Like there's sort of the implication earlier. Maybe uh, maybe Roxanne Perez wouldn't be getting attacked in car parks if she had the attention of a man once in a goddamn stupid life. Like it's 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 always the outcome for these poor women. It's it's always the outcome. Like full full sex is where it is where it ends for the 95% of the women that come into the orbit of NXT 2.0. This was just about charming because Hayes and Williams made it so. Like, this isn't a grading on a curve thing. This is a case by case who can come off well in these risible bits, and these two can. Yeah, it's like WWE has this weird mentality where they like to test, they don't like to promote their talent in a flattering light in situations that get them over, connect them with the fans, draw money, all the rest of it. They just like to test them so that they one day might be able to do that. Yeah. Just do it the whole time if you wanted, like. <laughs> just do it the whole time. Um, yeah, nothing further to add. It's ridiculous. Please, I have to get your thoughts on what came next. Because you're a fan of, of drama, of art, you know, of, of, of foreshadowing. And, you know, not just don't hit your audience in the face with it. Just just tease it. So Lash Legend, uh, she's playing with the basketball backstage. <laughs> and she's like, oh, Indy Hartwell, you got more chance of getting a date on those dating apps than you have of beating me. Uh, I'm going to do to you what I just did married. to this. She's been married. <laughs> what I did to this basketball. And she walks off and the ball rolls and then stopped by a baseball bat. Pathetic. Absolutely pathetic. 
we've already established that Lash Legend um, is really great at basketball. So there's something to that. But what's that got to do with wrestling? Uh, why? Well, I get it. Like, you've both got props. Well done. Yeah. How does this company continue to exist? Excuse me, how does this company continue to exist? The prop before that one basketball was a chat show. <laughs> yeah. You could have ended the chat show by just like like sinking a three-pointer. See you next week. Like I could understand, right, if this was like a wrestling show with a booker who, you know, he's got his own ideas, draws from a bit of telly, bit of wrestling history, and it just becomes a thing, and you know. There's no like qualification to be a wrestling booker. There just isn't, nor has there ever been. But you know, there are qualifications and CVs required to do writing and screenwriting, and that's what is required to work on the show. <laughs> so bad. It is think, so bad. Sage, we were talking in the office yesterday about Duke the Jump to Drossy. I'll throw this to Wilborn in a minute. Um, because Isaac Yankum DDS, a dentist, was from Decatur, Illinois, right. And I think they should now bill Lash Legend as being from the LA Lakes. <laughs> um, because, Wilborn, you have just one guess rather than three. We don't want to take ages. Where was Duke the Dunster Drossy billed from? With those as, as context, where was he billed from? Like a bit of a pony thing. Oh, oh I was going to say, like, from the trash heap or something. I said Trashville, Tennessee. Yeah. yeah. Which is good. The actual answer was... Mount Trashmore. <laughs> so we lived in those presidents' faces that were bins. <laughs> Trash. Trash. Right, enough of all that. Let's get to the main event. The best bit of this show should have been the main event. This it's time for Chase U's field trip, ladies and gentlemen. How do we forget this on the preview? Uh, they head to London. Uh, Andre Chase with Bodie Hayward and uh, Thea Hale. And uh, they've really rolled out the red carpet for Chase U. They go and see Tower Bridge. They go and see Abbey Road. They go and see the National Gallery and Buckingham Palace. Um, and Bodie asks if the Queen is a fan of Chase U. And uh, not only does uh, Andre reassure him that for sure she's a fan of uh, Chase U, uh, they're also building an extension to the Queen's crib that's going to be called the Andre Chase extension. And he's royalty and they're going to be knighted. He's going to be Sir Andre Chase. And then they're wrapping this up. It's a nice little, it's a promotional little video, basically, for Andre Chase. And he says, giving our students this kind of worldview is why Chase U is the seventh best. Wait, who wrote this? Glenn, is this you? Seventh best. You know damn well, we are always f***ing number one. I ought to take you outside right now and beat the shit out of you, you stupid <laughs> son of a bitch. This is Andre Chase University. You're f***ing fired. Get the hell out. I never want to see you again. Chase you. <laughs> it is fun, this. Stupid. This stupid thing is quite amusing. The second time yesterday I had a geographical FOMO with Chase you being so, well, relatively speaking, so yeah. close. Close to Florida, London, you know, um, because on Twitter yesterday, um, it turns out Timmy Mallet was in the very small town I live in, uh, middle of the daytime, and I was... Stuck here in Gates at a goddamn work when I could have been going and getting a cup of coffee from a place like near, like five minutes away from my house, bumping it at Timmy Mallet on his bike. So this one, this one hit quite hard for me actually mm. seeing them near Buckingham Palace. It's where we go, isn't it? Like on our weekends, we all just nip down to Buckingham Palace. Buckingham Palace. Tying our flag to the fence, which I imagine they probably had to do like a gun and run. Yeah. Like, film it, get it quick, right? Bail. There's, there's like three people coming over. <laughs> 
Then it was time, Michael Sidgwick, for Lash Legend versus Indy Hartwell. Yeah. Um, Lash Legend dominates early on. She gets in the corner. She sort of climbs up top like she's going to give her the sort of 10 punches thing. But the way she's facing is towards that eagle's nest or whatever it's called. And there is Alba Fire with the basketball, Sidge. And uh, that distracts Lash Legend. That allows Hartwell to, to slip out um and to, to take lash legend down and then she goes to the finish springboarding off the top rope and unfortunately her foot slips she just collapses into the ring and they basically just have to call an audible lash legend goes to the pin hartwell reverses it one two three post-match fire confronts legend and points a batter and lash legend gets the hell out of dodge absolutely pathetic characterization pathetic professional wrestling it's almost cruel that certain people involved in this farce are still on national television because it has been stigmatized and it's not exactly their fault. Um, what I'm going to say, I'm not ready for this. Right. Okay. You fired, you know, so <laughs> it's just the match for as long as it lasted was either like basic at the very best, incredibly disjointed, sloppy telegraphed, and then ultimately botched beyond belief. Uh, this is absolute amateur hour. Absolute amateur hour on NXT television. This was a really, really bad match. But what was the uh, coolest bit of every NBA Jam game ever? When the basketball went on fire. So yeah. there you go, Kenny Omega. There's your video game integration. Come on, keep up. They're going <laughs> to set the basketball on fire. She stole it now. It's going to be a ball of flames next week. She's on fire! Like the commentary. <laughs> Slam dunk. Uh, this was then the bit we alluded to earlier with all the women bitching backstage about Roxanne Perez and her lack of a boyfriend or husband or whatever it might be. And then in comes Von Wagner and all the car. Uh, and they brawl through and they brawl again and then they go to a break and they come back and Robert Stone gets chucked into a bin. Uh, and then I've, I think I forgot to mention this on last week's show. There's that weird QR code thing that you have to scan. Uh, and it was a Wordle style puzzle this week, Sid. So you'll like that. Uh, and I'm fairly certain it spells havoc. So they're going to advertise Halloween havoc, basically. Yeah. Mystery. Mystery solved. It's July. Yeah, I, I thought about this. But then again, I also heard on the radio the other day, a radio station that I listened to going, join us for our Halloween party this year. I was like, don't talk about October in bloody July. Don't impress me like that. Anyway, um, to cheer me up, Tony, Tony D and the boys uh, and, and uh, Electra Lopez uh, are backstage. Um, Electra, for some reason, get asked if she's the one who attacked Roxanne Perez. She's like, why would I know? So we can rule her out. I, I'm no close to working out who this was. Um, and Tony D says, hey, Toots, Mackenzie, uh, no one attacked Roxanne from my crew. Huh? I didn't give the order. Therefore, it wasn't us. Look, Electra, she has been proving herself to be a loyal and vital soldier in this family. Tonight, we find out where Joaquin and crew stand. And his music hits chills. Uh, and he says, Electra... You stay here. You do. Let's find out how loyal you are. And then, I don't know, I just I can't put my finger on it, but I really liked this match. It was Tony D'Angelo, Sticks, 
and oh my god, Idris Inofe and Malik played uh, early on. Inofe gets worked over, and he finally manages to make a hot tag to Malik Blade, who comes in and runs wild. Uh, Stats gets knocks all over the place, gets hit with a big spine buster, um, goes to the pin. D'Angelo can't get in because Idris Inofe's holding on to him, so he, he turns around after the after Stax kicks out and just hoys Idris Inofe into the ring steps. That distracts Blade. He gets dropped face first into the turnbuckle uh, and D'Angelo comes in and hits that twisting, twisting fisherman's buster for the one, two, three. Post-match, he yells, get on his ass! Uh, and Cruz del Toro and Joaquin Wild pause before beating the crap out of the uh, uh, out of Malik Blade, hitting him with their finisher and they stand tall. All is right with the family, guys. Yep. Yep. All I can think about when watching this um will i ever see anything like this at wrestlemania no what we're doing here will born is on a zoom call with his fingers crossed <laughs> uh i've just got no time for the storyline just absolutely no time it's, it's ridiculous i understand that this is a bit of a twist i understand what storytelling is um but it's just so stupid it's just so stupid yeah this is like one of them necessary elements but i didn't think it was handled in a remotely interesting way this idea that they now got to earn tony's trust before you know the reveal that they weren't on his side all along as proven Whoa. every single week they've been with him other than this one you know i think this angle's rubbish i just you know i think releases are awful obviously but if it allows you to free up the money to get scorsese to direct stuff like this then you know, I'm kind of okay with it. <laughs> I think it's another brilliant piece of an incredible jigsaw. Um, and I think this might be a better feud than Punk MJF. But, we you know, we'll wait and see at the end of the year awards. Um, I think oh, they also mentioned Santos has been discharged from hospital as well. So that's that's a relief. <laughs> Nikita Lyons uh, addresses the NXT universe to say, well, I didn't attack Roxanne Perez, but I'll take a title match if there's one going. Um, and then we get a vignette for Axiom. I swear he was a maths guy last week. Now apparently he likes superheroes and he's wearing a mask. You've got three things. <laughs> Doing equations under his mask. Nobody knows who I am unless you watch last week's vignette, in which case it's really clear who I am. See you next week, NXT. This, <laughs> was, this was chaos. Oh, a mask on after... <laughs> was, his, was his face revealed? I don't know if it was in the defense. In the shadows, you could catch a little bit of his of his face, and you know, it was like it wasn't certainly wasn't a man of mystery, it was a man of maths. <laughs> it's like it's just so bad, all of it. It's not as if who could that be under the mask? Everyone's forgotten a kid was on it, <laughs> yeah. Do you know what? Right, this is probably a WWE brained take. I I think Axiom is a better name than a kid, mm. yes, a kid, right. But they might have killed this gimmick right out. They might have like proper sin card him as a masked wrestler unless his work drags him over the line. Which I with three cartoon gimmicks before he's even grabbed a hold. I'll, all I could do when I was watching this because I was like, oh, are they have they got a new person they're debuting as well? And it was like, actually, I'm debuting next week. And I was like, wasn't he the maths guy? So basically, I just pictured that WWE, you know, the whiteboard we always talk about. Mm. And they've just written nerd question mark. And they're like, what the <laughs> They like maths. They like superheroes. So next week, he's probably going to come out with a bloody Dungeons and Dragons gimmick as well or something to go with it. Don't forget anime. Oh, yeah. Or this, like, 
they think he's a, a total loser virgin. So like Brooks Jensen comes up, it's like, there's something I like about you. Yeah. Hang <laughs> out some more. This guy's got one of those pillows with a thing on you can shag. Uh, anyway, right, time for the main event. Or maybe wow. not. Um, out comes Toxic Attraction. Mandy Rose flanked by uh, Gigi Doline and JC Jane. Uh, and Rose says, look, Perez wouldn't have even beat me tonight. No one can beat me for this title. I did like the fact that the audience got in a row with each other during this. Shut the hell up and let her talk dueling chants. Uh, she runs NXT, says Mandy Rose. But out comes Cora Jade. Good in. She's fighting for the honour of Roxanne Perez. She says, shut up, Mandy Rose. Uh, these fans, each and every one of them, were promised a title match. And we're going to get it. I'll step in. You know what? I'll do this for my friend Roxanne Perez. I'll step in and replace her in this title match. And then Perez com comes out. She's, you know, getting told not to go out there by officials. She's got all of her ribs taped up. Jade's like, are you sure you want to do this? She's like, yeah, I think I'll be all right. And she's like, I don't think you should wrestle, you know. I think I should probably have the title match. But no, Perez battles through and gets in the ring. She's going to face Mandy Rose in the main event for the NXT Women's Championship. Obviously, Mandy Rose, for the most part, dominates. She targets the, the back and the ribs. Uh, Perez is selling for large parts. We go through a break. When we come back, the tape's been ripped off. Um, Rose still targeting the injury. Uh, but Perez rallies, makes a comeback. Uh, Rose gets sent into the ring post, um, tumbles out of the ring. Uh, Perez dives through the ropes to uh, to take out Mandy Rose and uh, the other members of Toxic Attraction. She even hits Pop Rocks on the floor um, to Mandy Rose and uh, throws her back into the ring. And Jade helps her up. Uh, looks like she's going to, you know, help her back in. She does. But then all of a sudden, her face Situate it transforms into a sneer and she nails her in the back with the NXT women's tag team titles and she watches on uh, with a sinister look on her face. Michael Hunt was back in the call, thank goodness. Um, and just in time for, the, for me to deliver the horrific news pamphlet that uh, Perez turns around after being shocked by this heel turn into a running knee strike from Mandy Rose. One, two, three. Mandy Rose retains the NXT Women's Championship, but that's not the end because post-match, Jade gets in to attack Perez, goes to hit her with a skateboard that's been gimmicked. It breaks before she can even hit her. Uh, she just sort of hits her with the bits that are left and stands over her as the show goes off the air. Ampli, you called it. I, I just think they've told the story. Genuinely, we've talked about this before on NXT 2.0 for all the sex-obsessed nonsense and the terrible characters. It is so strange that this of all shows is the one that seems to plot stuff. It doesn't always tell the best stories. It just plots stuff. It puts something on a whiteboard for six weeks' time, and then it gets there, and it tends to overlap a few characters in the meantime, and I really don't think they've told a terrible story. If anything, I would quite like Roxanne Perez to win to watch Cora Jade's jealousy grow a little bit while they were had all the belts, you know? Like, they're supposed to be the baby face, Equivalent to toxic attraction, but really Cora Jade has got all this venom building up inside her. So they've they've done the turn, but they've actually done it probably a little bit sooner than I would have forecast. But it wasn't this sort of out of nowhere shock. I put a little bit of the work in. Really unlucky with the prop. You know, like, what are you going to do? I even think she made the best of that pretty bad situation by battering her with the loose end of the skateboard, to be fair to her. The performance was hack nonsense. But, <laughs> you know, like, she's not a great actor, but you only get to find it out when she's forced to act and here she was um i didn't think the match was terrible right wwe trains instruction followers 
doesn't really train wrestlers. Mandy Rose, for all of her time, pretty much in the WWE system, has been trained to be an instruction follower. And there was the target. You've got one more seasoned worker in Roxanne Perez, and she's got the target of like target this body part. And that was all Mandy Rose had to do, right? So it's kind of the perfect ideal for a, a lifetime WWE instruction follower. And as a result, I think this match was one of like Mandy Rose's better ones because it didn't require much more than work the body part, work the body part, work the sympathy, work the heat, banana skin for the false finish to set up the turn. So I really, not only did I quite like getting to see the story play out, but I thought the match was okay as well. And the heat was there because, and like to Sidgwick's point at the start of this podcast, we don't just pick on AEW's, ah, on to the next thing, because it's a bit annoying as a TV show. People in the building were with it. They've been with Roxanne Perez since the very beginning. She's a good wrestler. They were with the story. There was investment. Really wish the board hasn't broke because it did kind of frame the whole thing as a disaster when I kind of think it was anything but. Yeah, it's one of those where usually you can feel lovely bit of schadenfreude to take the piss out with something like this. And, you know, it, it was funny. It was very amusing. But, like, they kind of didn't deserve it. Like, Roxanne Perez has herself individually been, like, genuinely um, excellent in NXT 2.0. Toxic Attractions performances have been less than excellent, to put it mildly, but you know, they've really built them or tried to build them. They've done something very consistent in WWE with very little dealing consistency. And all the while, they've told this program between Cora Jade and Roxanne Perez. This is the culmination of a lot of um, hard work that sometimes is even very good, right? And it just completely blew up in their faces. Probably was a little bit less kind on the match because, I, again, I come back to this take all the time. Looking at the resources WWE has at its, has at its disposal in the post-rights fee era, anything less than just an amazing. It's just absolutely unacceptable. And, uh, yeah, this wasn't particularly great. Um, the pop rocks on the floor, like, Jesus Christ, there was no snap. No snap. <laughs> no snap. Um, Cora Jade's performance was quite frankly a little bit hammy, but that's just WWE for you. Um, but you know, ideas, not very good ones, but ones they paid a lot of attention to happened here. And Roxanne Perez, I'll yet again I'll give her all the credit in the world because of how basic this match was, something that sometimes that is all you need, and if you're good enough, it work in a very simplistic match. In terms of its structure and the fans are on board that's just pro wrestling that's just what it is uh, so it didn't matter that it wasn't blow away athletically great well the selling was not amazing but it was still good enough but yeah it's just going to be remembered for wwe's terrible prop department they must have mm -hmm. hired someone from mm -hmm. a <laughs> well yeah a shocking conclusion to Lots to look forward to next week. Let us know your thoughts on everything we've discussed on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Uh, watch they can follow all three of us. You can follow Michael Hamflit at Michael Hamflit. You can follow Michael Sidgwick at M. Sidgwick. You can follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at WhatCultureWWE, as I said. Make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts. Myself and the Daddy Boys will be back later on today to look ahead to AW Dynamite Fighter Fest Night. One, but for now, this has been the NXT review. My thanks to the Dadly Boys. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you soon. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? 
Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.